You're listening to the iterators of the Imperium. Hi, I'm Miss, and I'm here today with my co-host Ryan, and you're listening to Season 2 of the Iterators of the Imperium podcast, the podcast in which Ryan is the expert on Warhammer 40k, and I'm the noob trying to learn about the Warhammer universe. But before we get into it, we do have a Patreon you guys can check out if you want to support the podcast. We also have a Discord where you can get in touch with us and have fun with our Warhammer community. But yeah, let's get into it. So Ryan, what is today's topic? Well... As we've uh, had a little chat about in the run this episode, uh, we've decided to do something a little bit different today, and we're going to kind of just have a loose chat about some kind of general topics rather than focusing on one faction. You know, break up the season a little bit with something kind of chilled out in the middle. What do you think? I think it's a good idea. I, I actually kind of like it uh, So because I have a lot of questions, so... Yeah, it seems like a good theories. chance to get some of those answered for you. Yeah, just some loose topics that not, you know, are revolving around one faction. Yeah. So, yeah. So, All right, do you want me uh, to explain or do you want to explain it? Uh, you can start off. You can go for it. All right. So, Ryan and I have come up with different topics that we want to talk about in this uh, that we have been thinking about. I don't know what he has, but I briefly told him about what I have. Uh, and I don't know if I should just start with mine. Uh, I mean, some of mine are probably quicker ones. I think yours is going to be like the main bulk of the episode, so yeah. it might it might be uh, it might be worthwhile maybe dropping one of mine first and then yeah. then going into yours. Yeah, in terms of the timeline of this episode. Uh, yeah, I start off with something right. a bit kind of a bit kind of sillier, and then get into your ones which are a bit more <laughs> of the meat of the episode. You know, might yeah, be the yeah. the appetizer, the appetizer. <laughs> all right good way to phrase it let's yeah. uh, let's get into it ryan what do what you got for me well so i realized something that we've never actually really mentioned in any of our episodes because we've looked at a lot of the kind of space marine stuff but we've never mentioned yes. dreadnoughts dreadnoughts yeah i think i've heard about them before we've talked about it briefly but it's, it's very brief yeah so. they're quite prevalent but it's a cool concept and i feel like it's something that i should mention to you and i just want right. to get your thoughts on it and stuff Go so on. A dreadnought is a type of like war mech, basically. It's, it's like a bulky ass robot, right? Mm-hmm. But it's piloted by a space marine who has been almost killed, right? So if a space marine's like, say they're hit by some kind of massive ordnance or something like that, or, I don't know, half torn apart by another space marine or something, if yeah. they get them in time, they put them into like a sarcophagus kind of thing that's got life support and it keeps them alive. Yeah. And then they just load this sarcophagus into one of these big war mechs so that that half-dead space marine can just go back into the battle in this giant robot suit. What? And they live inside of it now. Yeah. It's life support for them. They can't get out. No, they can't get out. They're stuck there forever until it's destroyed or they die. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, that's that's both awesome and incredibly, uh, like... Oh, I don't know. I feel creeped out. Like, I wouldn't like to be locked inside of a mech suit all the time. Yeah. If you know what I mean? Like, uh, unsettling, that's the word I'm looking for. But still awesome, you know? Yeah, it's very cool. Uh, they have loads of different weapons and stuff, like big axes and uh, sword or chain swords and claws and stuff. They're cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting because one of the things life support sarcophagus thing can do is it can put them into, like, a state of, like, kind of a coma, basically. Yeah. And it gets harder and harder to wake them up from it. 
Uh, okay. So the people that have been in these, uh, I think the really long living ones are called venerable dreadnoughts, ones that have been like dreadnoughts for ages, like literally millennia. They get they end up venerable dreadnoughts, and yeah. uh, there's some of them that have been like this for so long and been like in these comas for so long that they become almost impossible to wake up or to control sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Wait, one... is it controlled in the way that they go rogue, or what do you mean? Yeah, they kind of go a little bit berserk sometimes. It's like their mind wears down and kind of like weakens and stuff. They kind of lose their mind a little bit from being yeah. in this state for so long. Yeah, I mean, I could imagine. Oh yeah, would it would have some break. rough fits on you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, there's one in particular I actually wanted to mention to you because it's really cool, right? <laughs> so, yeah. uh, in like the 41st millennia, right? So yeah. it's before the fall of Cadia, but, you know, still. Or is it before the fall? Oh, I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Right. So uh, there was a bunch of space wolves just doing their job, and they came across a, a venerable dreadnought on this random backwater like planet that's just Arctic that yeah. none of them knew who it was, and he was basically berserk, and they were just like, what the hell? Why is there, like, a heresy-era dreadnought on this planet? And they've never been able to find out who the hell he is, or who he was, <laughs> but it's just it's like, 10,000-year-old dreadnought. They just found wandering a random Arctic, like, hellscape <laughs> that is now called Murder Fang. That's oh, I've heard that before, but I actually have a question for you, right? Because you say that they can't identify him, right? Yeah. Like, are all the dreadnoughts uh, mech suits uh, the same? Like, uh, aesthetically, are they all looking like the same thing? So, vaguely, right? There's a lot of them, like, the mass majority will be uh, mass-produced, so they will be mm -hmm. the same. Possibly just with, like, different weapons changed as standard for each chapter, or each uh, legion and chapter. Yeah, but like all Space Wolves ones will look basically the same unless they're a different type of Dreadnought but the main majority will be the same type but the thing is usually they can find out who's in the sarcophagus by like checking it because it'll have like serial numbers and shit that'll be linked to databases yeah. Yeah. Um, but they can't find any record of this guy they have no idea who the hell he was oh in that direction but I, I, I thought it was like you know surely when the mass produce him they have like a number uh, on them printed yeah basically you know? yeah there should be some record of who the hell is in this thing the thing is yeah. that there will be say there's like a thousand space marines from the space wolves that are in these dreadnought uh, sarcophaguses right there yeah. might only be like 500 functioning dreadnoughts or something like that and they just swap them out for whatever they're doing because some of the Space Marines were better at different things, and they don't want to keep using the same ones over and over, because no. if they don't wake them up once in a while, they can become impossible to wake up. So they do tend to switch out who's in the chassis. Huh. That That's, what, yeah. What happens to them, though? I mean, I think I know what happens. It's Warhammer. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you mean, what happens to them? Like, you, you, you told me they're half dead. Yeah, aye. Right. It's ones that have been like hit by massive explosions or gutted by monsters and stuff. Yeah. Once your and intestines are ripped out, you can only hear so heal so much. And that's what I mean. And if the suit is life support to them mm -hmm. and they get chuck him out of it, surely, you know, 
So, like, surely. It's not the big war mech that's the life support. It's like the, sh- the sarcophagus thing they're held in has the life support, and it just gets plugged into one of the big war mechs. Ah, okay, like that. I thought it was yeah. like one whole entity. No, no, no. It's, it's like... It's it's uh, it's like putting a pilot in like a Gundam suit, except the pilot yeah. is in a stasis thing. <laughs> yeah, that's all okay. it is. Okay, that that makes more sense now. Yeah, so, yeah. But yeah, I realize we've been kind of talking a lot about these kind of topics, and we've never actually mentioned them properly to explain what the hell they are. And I thought, you know what, this is a good chance to mention that because they're yeah they're around. You know, they do stuff. Yeah, and that's the benefit of of this particular episode. Like we yeah. can just you know talk about loose topics that doesn't have to specifically be around one faction or you know. Yeah. Just yeah, I like it. All right. All right so what more you got? Oh, uh, what else have I got? Uh, oh, right. This, this is one I found really interesting. Right. So there is a book called uh, Valdor, Birth of the Imperium, right? Uh-huh. And it, it's just about Constantine Valdor, the guy who was in charge of the custodians right at the start, when the yeah. Emperor first started off. And in that book, it, it's it's set during the period where the Space Marines are first being made, and uh, the Primarchs are like scattered across the galaxy and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's right around that time. Yeah. And in it, there's a woman called Amar Astarte, who is the woman that, that she's a geneticist who made the gene seed for the space marines? You know that kind of genetic template that they can use to make all the ones in that legion the same. Yeah, you you talked briefly about her before as well. I, I do remember it. Yeah, so she was the geneticist that like like kind of sorted out making that template basically. Yeah, and it amuses me that they went with that name for her. This is the thing, right? Because her name is Amar Astarte, right? And she's the one that finalized the Astartes program. <laughs> but Astartes is a Latin word for the stars. So it's weird that they were like, oh yeah, let's pretend we named it after her. Like, but you didn't. It's just Latin. Because <laughs> all, all the Adeptus whatever, it's just Latin names for things. So like yeah. the Adeptus Arbites, which are like the police on Terra, I'm sure Arbites mean or Arbit or something like that. the root of the word Arbites is Latin for judge. Yeah, and Adeptus Mechanicum is like you know. Yeah, uh, Adeptus Custodes. Uh, Custodes is the Latin word for guard. Yeah, I'm so, actually. Wait, what is the Mechanicum? Is that like just? Me- I, I assume it just means mechanic. <laughs> yeah, I was like thinking about that. Yeah. Now that I just think about it. <laughs> Latin. <laughs> yeah, that one's a pretty on the nose one, but yeah, I found that interesting. That for some reason they pretended that they named this one after her, but they definitely didn't. But none yeah, of the rest of un- them pretend that. <laughs> it's it's an unintentional screw you. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> just there to like bewilder the reader. <laughs> oh, right, I've I've got a few extra ones, but I feel like we should get into your one. The, you know, the main meat of the episode now. Uh, can I mean, I... off at the end of my nonsense. <laughs> Yeah, so we had to come up with like different topics. Uh, like we just said five. Uh, I haven't come up, come up with five, and That's I've fine. gone like a different direction. Um, so I wanted to dive into the fan base because obviously I'm still a new in Warhammer. I, like I know stuff about this now, mm-hmm. and I uh, I find stuff interesting as well in in, in this whole universe. Uh, so I I would like to go the fan route and see some of the fan myths. All it's right. been around for uh, for him. Warhammer. War, Warhammer. <laughs> um, 
so I scoured a bit on the internet to see if people like had some relatable uh, thoughts uh, that I had, you know, something I could relate to. And one of them is actually something I've been thinking a lot about since, well, since I got the introduction back in episode one, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the whole thing with the warp and chaos. And my specific thing right now is in terms of uh, chaos. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this myth is, uh, myth is about, you know, that any faction besides chaos uh, can win. Like, if they can do that. Because chaos is, you know, the darkest side of uh, nature. It's like personified darkness, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's tied to the universe. So, isn't it that that's the, it, oh, sorry, inevitably going to win no matter what, right? Yeah. Because, because like... In terms of Warhammer and what I know right now, uh, it's like, you know, it would be like a person demanding a tsunami to stop it, to stop just by praying that it stops, right? <laughs> like, there's no hope, right? It's just tales of survival. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, I get what you mean. Like, is there any way for chaos not to win, really? Exactly. And, I mean, this was actually what this guy, uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, I'm sorry for that. But he, he had the same thoughts, Uh I think it's a very very good topic to to you know dive a bit into. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So right off the top of my head, I can think of like three ways that that chaos can actually be defeated once and for all. Yeah. But the thing is, in two of them, humanity doesn't survive. There's only one that I can think of that humanity wins. If you get what I mean. Um. So the first thing is remember the Blackstone pylons the Necron set up to blanket the galaxy that we're holding back by terror yes yes well since the necrons are back in force now if they were say to win basically like come back to prominence and start taking out some of the other cultures and stuff which they could reasonably do if they all woke up at the same time which they haven't yet luckily for everyone else (laughs) um But say they were they all got back to power and just went, all right, let's just restart building those pylons. Eventually, they would blanket the entire galaxy with them and just like separate the warp from reality altogether, and the chaos gods would have no power. Yeah. So yeah. there's that, but humanity definitely loses in that sense. Everyone but the Necron oh, oh, yeah, really yeah, loses yeah. in that sense. Yeah, definitely, hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Uh, the other one I can think of is Terranids. Terranids could just eat everything that's alive and then move on to the next galaxy, eat everything there. <laughs> like at some point, they'll eat enough stuff that the Chaos Gods aren't getting any power anymore, and they'll just wither away. Because hmm. Chaos are not taking out the Terranids. That's just not happening. <laughs> There's no danger that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I was just going to say uh, with these two examples you have said, right? Yeah. This guy hit the nail on the right of the coffin, or you know, it's, it's like there's no hope. It's just tales of survival, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> Until you inevitably, inevitably just dies. Yeah. Right? So the third option that I have is one where humanity actually does win. Yeah. So uh, you know how you know how the emperor could see the future. Yes. Right. Which is obviously a pretty big detail, because a lot of people are like, well, how didn't he see Horus's treachery coming? And you're like, mm-hmm. 
okay, the Chaos Gods could have, like, blinded him to that. Like, Zinch could have been sitting there going, don't show him those futures, right? <laughs> Which is possible, but unlikely, because we what we know about the Emperor is that basically he can do whatever the fuck he wants, whenever the fuck he wants. So the chances of that being the case are pretty low. But the way everything's worked out make it seem like the Emperor genuinely didn't see it coming. But I'm a big fan of the idea that actually every single person in the galaxy is like 18 moves ahead of where they think they are, right? <laughs> uh, like, there's one of those with Alpharius and stuff like that. But I like the viewpoint that actually the Emperor saw the future and was like, okay, possibilities. I'm going to try and do the Webway like, project so that we don't have to use the warp to travel anymore and the Chaos Gods can sort off. And then everything will be fine. And then Magnus got involved and derailed that possible future. So I think that the Emperor set in motion everything that occurred over the next 10,000 years, right? I think the Emperor knew what was going to happen. I think he um, he knew he was going to be like beaten by Horus, essentially, yeah. and stuck on the Golden Throne for millennia. But yeah. over that time would be worshipped as a god by trillions of people enough to actually give him the powers of a god. Because that's how the chaos yeah. gods got where they were. It was just worship and things that were accidentally uh, acts of worship. Yeah, and so, then he can live forever because the orcs believe exactly. Life. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. So my thinking is actually maybe the emperor was like, "All right, I fucking hate religion, but." My only other option, if Magnus does fuck up my shit, is spend 10,000 years as a corpse on a throne, and then once the galaxy gets torn in half, come back as an actual god and just stomp the Chaos Gods into the dirt. So that's where I'm sitting. I'm like, maybe the Emperor should kind of wake up one day and be like, all right, Nargo, let's do this. <laughs> I mean, I'm... I'm... That sounds a lot like, you know, Doctor Strange in... I'm going to re make a reference here. Mm -hmm. Doctor Strange in, uh, you know, Endgame. Uh, Marvel Endgame, right? Yeah. Uh, with, like, you know, you know you're going to sacrifice yourself but it's for, the, for the greater good. Well, yeah, that's kind of the way I, I see it. I think maybe it's, like, some trauma now for a victory later kind of thing. Yeah. Like, 10,000 years of heartache, or, sorry, hardship isn't much. And if what comes after that is everlasting peace, you know? Yes. And the yeah, Emperor really a, was a long game kind of guy. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a, it's a cheap price to pay for eternal peace. Yeah, the Emperor didn't think of things in, like, the next couple of days, the next couple of weeks, the next couple of years. He didn't think about it like that. It was like, all right, <laughs> 4,000 years from now, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to need an army of super soldiers to kick alien ass. <laughs> I'll start working on it now. I do respect it, you know. <laughs> oh, you gotta expect the great man. <laughs> oh, that would be a cool scenario too, you know. The the issue is that you've got to think about it in a writing standpoint because they are novels at the end of the day, but also it's a game. So yeah. there's a lot of that involved in it where you're like, well, how do they do that and make it a good ending? You know. Mm. Yeah, I, I see what you mean. Yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, they'd be hard-pressed to have the Emperor just, like, stand up one day and just delete all the evil from the galaxy and have anyone that read it not go, well, that was awful. 
Yeah. But it'd be kind of cool for the first 10 minutes, then you go, oh, it's over, oh well. Yeah, it's like, where do we go from here then? Yeah, aye. Like, so, uh, you know, it's, it's done. Like, just, just to inform you, currently the Emperor is back in play within the warp. Um, there's a whole story behind that that we will get to, but he is technically back in play, uh, as is Sanguinius, and we don't know about others yet, I don't think, but there probably is more. I'm expecting uh, Conrad Kurz to be back in action as well. Uh, although, to be fair, I'm not sure he was ever out of action, really. Um, <laughs> but there's there's a lot of stuff like that that I'm like, I can see a direction they're going with it, but I think that they're also planning about 40 moves ahead. So I'm expecting like a resurgence from the Necrons as a big storyline point coming up uh, in yeah. the future. Because they are a serious threat and I'm expecting the Tyranids to get worse and then get dealt with a bit because at the moment they're doing a lot of harm and they're coming in mass but like they need to get someone to a breaking point and then kind of get stomped down a little bit and things like that there's a whole load of things that need to happen from where we're at now for the story to continue properly and yeah. it'll be interesting to see how they do it but I don't know, it's, it's, it's difficult to see where they're going to go with things a lot of the time, purely because it is a, a game that they're matching a story to. They've got to keep it yeah. profitable on both sides, you know? I mean, we have a lot to look forward to in that regard. Like, how they got to... Yes, uh, there's so much I haven't even told you about yet. It's like modern stuff. <laughs> Wait, I actually kind of want to know, do you think uh, the writers are, are taking inspiration from the fandom? I honestly I mean, don't know. Because, like, I, I know, uh, for example, it's shows like One Piece, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like, Ichiro Oda, who is, uh, you know, the, the creator, he included two characters in the series, like, not, not just one-offs, but, like, literal characters based of fan-made characters, mm -hmm. which I, I, I do love when people, the authors, they do that, you know? Yeah, like, that is they very take cool. some of the fan they take it into consideration as like, you know what, that could actually work. I'm going to work this in, just not just to please the fans, right? It's not just, you know, to please the fans, but like, like you know, actually, you know what the fans want and try to implement it in a good way, just not, uh, you know, in terms of the, of the story and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, if I mean, done I'm, properly, oh, it is a really good thing to do. But do you think they could do that? Or do you think they would do that? Or do you think they have done that? Or have so many questions, right? I know. Uh, my my thing is that if you're like if they take into account what the what the audience wants, right? Unfortunately, we're at a point in time where a lot of what the audience wants is more Primarchs to come back. <sighs> of course, it's because everyone has the one they like, you know, and they're always like, oh, I want to see more of this one because they're my favorite. Yeah. But you're like, it's hard to do that because if you bring one of them back, what you end up with is the story accelerates rapidly all of a sudden. And if, say, like, because there's a bunch of writers for this that all have their own stuff they're handling. If every yeah. one of them starts bringing back Primarchs, what the hell do the rest of them do? Because, <laughs> like, they they all massively affect the galaxy if they turn up. It's only really yeah. the Chaos ones you can kind of throw around a little bit without doing too much heart and storyline. Because they've kind of been around the whole time just causing trouble. Yeah, so, I yeah, I don't really know where they're going to go with it next, but... As far as long game goes, I think humanity kind of has to win or no one has to win. You know what I mean? It's either like everything ends or humanity wins. But I think it's probably going to be like another 300 years before we actually 
<laughs> if we actually see that. So you mean the real life, right? <laughs> yes, I honestly, yes. there'll probably be real life demons and Primarch running around in, in our galaxy before we actually see an ending of 40k. Because <laughs> there's, we, we there's just so see, much uh, to it. Yeah, we, we start to see uh, the fiction and stuff in, in Warhammer come to life in real life. <laughs> they predicted the future, Ryan. This is just the scripts. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever oh, started Games Workshop is actually just the Emperor, just pissing away his powers of foresight. <laughs> like, I've got about another 2,000 years where I actually have to do anything. I'll just, I'll, oh no, I'll fuck around, I'll become an author. <laughs> it's like, uh, have you ever watched Supernatural? No, no, no. Oh, so in Supernatural, they actually in like season five or six, they go to find this guy who's meant to be is like he's been writing books, and it's just the story of the characters, and they're just like, what in the fuck? And it turns out that he's actually, uh, or no, they they believe that he's like a messenger from God, a, a scribe of God, and then uh, or a prophet, sorry, and then later on, it turns out he was just God the whole time, fucking with them. <laughs> <laughs> well then, yeah, he just wrote himself into the into the books, but they just put him in the show as well. <laughs> Storytelling at at its finest. That's it. So I, uh, I I could see the guy who made Games Workshop being the emperor and just ah, I may as well just fuck around. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to do yet. Need this Elon Musk guy to fuck off first. <laughs> He's ruining my plans. <laughs> <laughs> he'll, he'll be the first one that gets called a techno barbarian and beaten into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right. Do you, do you have some more uh, some more points you want to put out? Yeah, I've got a couple topics. More. So right, go on. One thing that's like a, a pretty common uh, point of discussion among the Warhammer community, less so nowadays, but it, it was pretty prevalent in the past. It is not something we've ever discussed. But, you know there are no female space marines. They're all guys. Yeah. Yeah. I assumed, yeah. Yeah. But that was like a big talking point in the community for a long time. It, it pops up once in a while now. Um, and to me, it seems pretty pretty obvious that it's because they're, they're built off of the Emperor's genetics. You know what I mean? It, it, it's, it's the Emperor's genetics into the Primarchs into the space marines. Yeah. So, there would... It could. I don't know much about genetics, but I'd argue that if you go with a whole other gender, you'll probably see some issues if you try to rewrite their biology. Yeah, like, yeah, I can see what that. It, it could seems go like wrong. it's just opening up room for things to go wrong that wouldn't necessarily be there. Yeah, but I I understand people getting like kind of or people finding it weird or being bothered by it because, like, it would be cool to have women space marines being badasses and. Punching the heads off Terranids and shit—that would be cool. So, like, what's yeah. the problem? But I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Go on, go on. No, no, go for. It. I'm just thinking about because it sounds like it, a whole debate with the whole woke thing. You know, women need to re be represented in this and that. But in terms of like an outsider's perspective for Warhammer, I feel like there's a lot of badass characters in there. And in fact, my favorite character is actually a female in, in Warhammer with Saint Celestine. Yeah, see, that's that's my thinking with it is that. While it would be very cool to have space marines that were women, just because it's equally as badass as the guys that are, but mm -hmm. there'd probably be a lot of them that I would find a lot cooler, to be honest with you. Um, but I like that they have some groups that are purely female as well. 
because they're also very badass just in their own right. You know what I mean? Yes, they stand the sisters. out. Exactly. The Sisters of Silence and the uh, Sisters of Battle are two groups yeah. that are only female and they're both unbelievably badass at the exact same time. So I feel like while it's it's fair to say that having female Space Marines would be really cool, at the same time, there is female representation and they're honestly usually more badass than half the Space Marines are, and they're just normal people. <laughs> and like that's somehow yeah. even more badass. Like uh, I mentioned in our last episode, uh, Alea, uh, yeah, Tano Alea, the Sister of Silence, she fights alongside one of the custodians, and her whole character arc is just her being a fucking badass and not giving a fuck what anyone says, and it's amazing. She's like my favorite character. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Well, you have said that about uh, I, around I so 50 many characters. I know, I have so many. <laughs> <laughs> There's like 50 characters you have said, and it's my absolute favorite one. Okay. No, uh, to be fair, just on that point, I actually think overall, like top of the chart, my actual favorite character is Belisarius Call, just because he's mental. But like, I have a few that I'm just like, this character is everything I needed them to be. Yeah. Um, and yeah, some of the Sisters of Silence are just fucking incredible like that. Oh, they are, they are. Oh, by the way, I just clocked something. Mm-hmm. My two favorite characters, my favorite one being Celestine, right? Mm-hmm. And my second favorite being Sanguinis, if you remember. You both have for wings. wings. Yeah, I was about to say both have wings. I... <laughs> yeah, what do you find yes. out about uh, the Chief Psyker in the Blood Angels now? You're going to love that. Mephiston. He is oh. fucking cool. Oh. He, he's part of like the, the new age kind of storylines that I want to tell you about um, yeah. but he he's died like three times and every time he comes back as a new guy in the same body okay <laughs> I mean he fits the scripts with, with Celestine then <laughs> yeah like I'm sure the first time he he was he was one of their librarians and he got crushed in, a, in rubble or something like that and they dug him out and he was like just hanging to life and the, the guy that dug him out was, like, calling his name. And he just, like, really quietly, just like, my na- like, that's not my name. My name is Mephiston. And he's just like, all right, you can be whoever you want, big guy. Let's get you out of that rubble. <laughs> and from then on, he was just Mephiston. Just a totally different guy. But he was, like, a much more powerful psyker as well. And then he ends yeah. up, like, the chief librarian. So the, the head psyker for the chapter. And then... It, it starts to turn vaguely evil and kind of like he's corrupted, but he's still doing everything he should be and not doing anything evil. He just kind of comes off quite creepy now. So <laughs> they... Uh, oh no, it, he, he uses his big crazy psyker powers and turns a bunch of the blood angels around him at the time. So they go into like the black rage all of a sudden. He induces it in them just by using his powers. So they're like, well, we can't have you around anymore because that's bad. So... <laughs> As like a penance, they do the Primaris uh, surgery on him and turn him into a Primaris Marine. <laughs> and he, he dies during it, sees Sanguinius, and comes back as a third guy, oh even more powerful. <laughs> so what the fuck is going on with this, man? Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> He's so cool, but I feel like he'll be your third favorite because he has wings sometimes. Yeah, I don't know. I, I might just have a thing for, for wings, man. It's... I worry about your oh. search history then. Well, <laughs> Sanguinius Rule Thirty Four. Hey, I bet that's a deep well, isn't it? Let's not get into it, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's not that kind of episode. 
No, no, no. But um, yeah, I I have another topic for you. Ryan. Go for it. Or another myth uh, mm. speculated by the fans. Um, I'm just sitting in the in Quora, you know, where people are like, there's a lot of stuff you could touch upon. But Quora. one of them, especially, <laughs> is that what it's called? Uh, yeah, it is. It's just it's a really stupid website. I love it. Yeah, I, I mean, in terms of the fandom, it's, it's out there. Okay. Yeah, no one really uses Quora, so I love it when it turns up and just happens to be good. You're like, where did this come from? <laughs> yeah. All right, but this myth speculates in terms of the the Tao. So in Warhammer 40k, what is the reason the Tau is so advanced? And is it because they found a relatively intact STC? And I remember we touched upon the STCs before, and I found it very, very cool. I think I referenced it to, uh, oh, what was that game? Subnautica, uh, the Fabricator. So, exactly, something like that. Yeah. I feel like it's such cool tech. I, I like the, 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 the like, the lure about the STCs and stuff like that. Yeah, it's very uh, so, cool. So what do, you, what do you think, Ryan? Do you think it's the something in it? Possibly, possibly. The thing is that the Tal were kind of getting like pretty advanced. Like, So the rate humanity has advanced through technology sometimes is really quick and sometimes is quite slow, right? Uh, so I think that the time between like the Bronze Age and the Iron Age is actually weirdly long. But the time between, like, getting a plane and getting to the moon is, like, 50 years, right? So, humanity's history, our rates of advancement change drastically depending on when you look at. But I believe the Tau, once they started advancing, basically just kept going at breakneck speeds. So, that being based off of something like finding a relatively intact, at least, STC is something, but their technology is like vastly different than anything humanity has. So it makes sense that actually they just had a, a really good way of advancing their own technology and just kept grinding through it. Because uh, the weapons they carry, the armor they have, stuff like that, it, it's quite different than what humanity uses. And the STC mm-hmm. would be purely human stuff. And it's not like they even have like the same kind of basis, you know? Um... But yeah, they, it could be something like that. There, there is like a like a rumor in the community that's vaguely touched upon in one of the books. I believe it's the Primarchs book. It's actually just called Primarchs. I, I think it's that one, in which you see like this laboratory that's all it's been used for like dissection and stuff of aliens, and in it there's like a vague footnote that it's it points in the direction that possibly the Tau were created by the Eldar. Okay. And the Eldar are massively technologically advanced compared yeah. to humanity in a lot of ways. And Tau technology, I would say, is a lot closer to uh, Eldar technology. So it's possible that actually the Eldar did create the Tau in the same way that they were made by the old ones. That they like just kind of went, you know what, let's seed some life. But in that, like, so when the Eldar made, were made, they were seeded. Uh, with like i suppose uh a natural affinity for the warp so that the eldar sorry so that the old ones could teach the eldar how to use the warp properly and help them in the war but it could be that the eldar made the tau and seeded them with like a natural affinity for their technology and stuff like that because a lot of it is along similar lines you know like goss weapons make up a large part of tau weaponry and a goss weapon is essentially 
a laser that tears things apart on a molecular level. But... Wait, is that... No, they do have technology that does that. I don't know if the Gauss weapon's the name for that. Um, regardless. Regardless. Um, I might be using the wrong name, but for the right technology, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. But regardless, that technology is quite similar to what's used in the Eldar uh, guns. Because they use the uh, shuriken guns, which have a mechanism in them that like cuts off a, mo- a molecule thin layer of like ammunition and fires it so if you take that technology and just make that the weapon instead of making it produce the ammunition you would have a gun that just cut a a molecular level you know so you're like actually i can see a link between eldar tech and tau tech but there isn't as closely one between human and tau so i would i would lean more towards the idea of it being that actually the tau did come from the eldar and that's why they're as advanced as they are. Can can I just speculate here? Yeah, go for it. Or, build a pond of this, right? Mm-hmm. So what if the Tau has a bit of both of, you know, best of both worlds, mm-hmm. such kind of situations? Can it combine them together? This? Kind of, mm-hmm. yeah. What, what, what is, if, if that could be the case? So they have the blueprint and the, the resources and the technology, you know, everything going for them and that is the reason why they are advancing so fast honestly it could be that that very easily could be something in it i don't really know is the problem there's there's a lot about the tau that's that's kind of like shrouded in mystery still in a lot of ways like there's a lot of their history that isn't very well fleshed out there's like some gaps and stuff but then a lot of it is also extremely fleshed out it's weird it's it's an odd thing (laughs) So there, there is the possibility that that could lie in there somewhere. But the other side of it is, it could just be lost to history for them as well. Maybe they don't even know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. But you know, when, when we talk about this, right, I'm sorry to, to interrupt. When we talk about this, I really wish we had like a writer in, in for Warhammer that, that could listen and like see the facial expression where we say, say stuff like that, get like responses to it, to, to what we're actually saying. That would be cool. That would be cool. Get like a reaction from someone on the team. Yeah, so, like seeing somebody. Oh, they shouldn't touch upon that. That's too close to you know the. <laughs> Shit, we're, we're gonna, gonna do that next or, week. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Spoiler alerts, or or like, oh, that might be a good idea, or oh, you're off your head, mate. You yeah. know that, that that could be fun. You know, it, it could be really cool. And another problem though with us talking about this is that the Tau aren't a culture that I've like particularly deep dived into the books for. So I I don't have, like, a huge repository of knowledge on the Tau. They're not a group that I've ever, like, particularly grabbed me, unfortunately. Oh. I mean, they kind of grabbed me, and I read read a bit about them. So maybe I have to teach you at some point, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Tau episode, you can lead. Deal? (laughs) You know what? Screw it. Yes. Fine. Yeah. Or like a, a Tau section where I can talk. Maybe not a fully fleshed episode, okay? But <laughs> yeah, I would actually fun. be down. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> All right. Then. Do you have any more of these you want to go on to? Or do you want me to uh, throw out another one first or what? Uh, I mean, that was kind of my take on, on the whole two myths that I, that I, that grabbed my attention at least. All right, so, okay. uh, yeah, you uh, go on. All right. So I do have one that I don't know if I've ever mentioned to you. I, I may have mentioned it at some point, but I found it really interesting. Uh, 
do you know that each of the Primarchs are actually based on an aspect of the Emperor that they embody? No, I don't think so. Yeah, it's quite cool. So, yeah. uh, so for example, Gilliman, right? His whole thing is like running everything perfectly, right? Which is like the administrator side of the Emperor, right? Uh-huh, yeah. And then you've got like Angron, who is just an unbelievable brute force berserk warrior, which is the warrior yeah. side of the Emperor. You got Fulgrim, yeah. who is obsessed with like the beauty of things and like crafting things that were very perfect. Perfection was his whole thing, which is like the artificer side of the Emperor. Uh, yeah. Lionel Johnson is the general side of him, the kind of military leader side of him. Uh, yeah. Kurz has his uh, has his ability to see the future better than uh-huh. any other Primarchs. He's the seer. Uh, Mortarion has uh, the Emperor's kind of immunity to poisons and things like that. Because yeah. the Death Guard were all about poison and everything. And, uh, and Mortarion is more resistant to that stuff than any other Primarchs are. Uh, Dorn is like a kind of strategic genius, so he's got like the kind of strategy side of it. Uh, Sanguinius is like the ruler version of him, the one that is like in charge and leads people. A charisma. That's it, basically, yeah. Magnus has his psyker powers. Uh, Ferris Manus is the conqueror side of him. Uh, yeah. Vulcan is the immortal part of him, because he actually is immortal. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, so they all have like a different thing. Uh, Pert Rabo's whole thing was like being aware of fucking everything. <laughs> uh, Wait, what about Horus? Horus is the diplomat. Ah. Yeah. Uh, Lorgar was the preacher because obviously the emperor preached the imperial truth. Lorgar preached the uh, the, the emperor was a god. So Corax, Corvus Corax, is like the the vigil version, uh, visual section of him. Uh, Khan is the explorer. Uh, Lehman Russ is the executioner side of him. And uh, Alpharius is like the sentinel one, the one that's like... You know you know the idea that the Emperor's like, I can't not be here. I have to be like... I have to keep things on track. I have to be around for this. Otherwise, yeah. everything's going to fail. Alpharius kind of represents that because... His whole thing is like everyone everyone in the Alpha Legion pretends to be Alpharius half the time. So they never know if they've actually killed him or a clone. But because of that, Alpharius will literally always be there, even if the actual one dies. Yeah. But it also makes it nigh on impossible to kill the actual version of him. <laughs> so he kinda represents the kind of like the side of him that has to stand sentinel over his empire. Yeah. Which is quite cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, I never realized it until later on. But yeah, they, they all like represent a very particular aspect that the Emperor also embodies, usually to a slightly greater degree. Yeah, I do actually like that a lot. Yeah. That's... All right, it makes so much sense when I, you think I about it. I can't wait till we do a season that's just about the Primarchs and I get to tell you all their stories, how, like how they started out and everything. They're oh, so I'm good. Forward to the... It's going to be so it's season... good. It's season three, please. Like, I can't wait now. All right, fine. We'll do season three. Can be that. Fuck it. Yes, let's go. <laughs> That's good. I'm excited for that, too. Yeah. Just, episode one. Sanguinius. No, it's going to be Magnus. Go. I say Sanguinius, damn it. No, I'll be down for some Magnus. Oh, yeah. We love Magnus. Yeah. He, honestly, by he, the end of the season, you'll love all of them. I mean, yeah. 
So Magnus is your favorite, favorite isn't it? Of like the you made Primarch? a TikTok about Possibly, him. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You you made a TikTok of him and how he was wronged <laughs> by the emperor. <laughs> I don't even remember what was in that. I remember I made it. I don't remember what it was though. You're just like, uh, just to sum it up, it's just like, huh? Have anybody noticed how they did Magnus dirty? You know <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> but to be fair though, he, he he deserved it. He he was too late to travel normally. You know, that, so. he was just too lazy to do it. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> oh. Right, I have one more, but before we do it, do you have any like questions or anything you want to cover? Uh, no, not not really. I do want to point out that I really liked the aspect here with the with Imper and like the different sides to him mm. that goes into you know. Yeah, that's 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 I haven't thought about that, but it makes so much sense when I think about it. You know, you know what I'm gonna add into the uh, the Primarch season. Uh, no, what? Rather than just covering the eighteen that we know about. I'll also add in a 19th Primarch for you. Uh, yeah. Ushatan, Primarch of the 4th Legion of the Thunder Warriors. He's a cool guy. I'm looking forward to it. And in Season 3, uh, by the way, to the guys out there, we will probably have some visuals. So yeah, if you listen on Spotify... It. Yeah, if you, if you listen on Spotify, unlucky... Though I, I, also I know, listen Spotify has video also, podcasts but... now, man. Wait, they do? Yeah, they do. <laughs> Well, this is your lucky day, yeah, business. It's visuals for all. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. God, oh, I hate that. be so good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the last kind of topic of discussion I wanted to mention is Ariman. Now, I don't know if I've mentioned Ariman to you before. Have I? Uh, the name doesn't ring a bell at right. all. No. Ariman is one of like the coolest characters in 40k. Oh, for God's sakes. No, honestly, you're you're gonna love this guy, right? So see the Thousand Sons, Magnus's dudes. Yes. Araman is was like the second in command of that legion, right? So the second most powerful legion uh, psyker in that legion, other than Magnus. And yeah. uh, after after the whole heresy thing and they got banished to the warp and like hooked up with Zinch and all that stuff. Uh, obviously, a bunch of their kind of a bunch of their space marines were suffering from the mutation that was part of their legion, and being inside the Eye of Terror was making it rapidly worse. So, to try and save them all, he stole information from the Book of Magnus to try and like create a spell that would fix it. And okay. I'm going to tell you now, Magnus couldn't fix it. So, why this guy thought he could, I don't know. <laughs> That is beyond me. <laughs> yeah. But he got a bunch of other, like, high-up kind of members of their cha- of their legion, not chapter, um, and convinced them all that they had to do this without Magnus knowing, because Magnus was against it. He did take it to Magnus, and Magnus basically told them to fuck off. Um, yeah. And they all got together and cast this spell, and basically every Space Marine in the Thousand Suns Legion that wasn't a member of the group that were casting the spell were turned to dust inside their armor. Just Oh god. Yeah. So now they all just like work like automatons that if you have their name you can call to them tel- uh, telekinetically or no telepathically and give yeah. them commands and they will follow them. So you can be like you two stand guard and the two of them will just stand guard and gun down anyone that comes near them. <laughs> right? Or you can be like all right you five go murder that guy. They'll go murder that guy. <laughs> 
Yeah. Or make me a coffee. Yeah, exactly. They'll do it. <laughs> it might take a while because I think their hands are a bit too big for normal cups, but like they'll manage it one way or another. Um, but they have like no personality, no like consciousness of their own. Yeah. Uh, and the spell was called the Rubric. So the Marines of the uh, of the Thousand Sons are now called the Rubrique or Rubric Marines, which is very cool. And there are, as it stands, I believe, four books about Araman. Um, and they are honestly incredible. They are fantastic books. But his whole storyline is just him trying to fix it. And usually fighting against Magnus while he does it. Because Magnus still hates the guy. After what he did, uh, Magnus magically banned him from their homeworld. So he physically cannot go back there. Oh, God. Yeah. That's just a bit harsh, doesn't it? Well, no, he fucking disobeyed him. He's lucky he didn't just kill him. Magnus could have just stomped him into the dirt and that would have been the end of it. Magnus is a merciful guy. <laughs> I am a merciful god. I won't kill you, I will just banish you. Just just exile you. <laughs> yeah, I believe it's... Uh, the first book is, is Araman, Exiled, and it starts off with him just like... He's just totally forgotten who he is, and he's just this really meek, worthless little like runt of a guy among a crew of, like chaos marauder marines that are all just nut jobs. <laughs> and then it, like yeah. the stories follow him basically getting back into power and finding out who he is, or realizing who he is again, and everything like that, and just becoming an absolute beast of a man. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. <laughs> I'm I'm very excited to do uh, an episode about Araman's actual storyline because it's very cool. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Like you know, uh, during the Thirteenth Black Crusade. Yeah. So, like, the first episode is the Fall of Cadia. The second episode is like the uh, the Eldar that uh, are with Yvrain and the Yunari and all that stuff that have the new god that can bring stuff back to life. Yeah. In that, they actually get attacked by Araman and a bunch of his uh, rubric marines while they're in the webway, and the whole point is Araman like is trying to get like capture them and stuff like that, so he can find out their secrets of rebirth because he thinks that their new god might hold the key to like returning the rubric marines to to life. Yeah, and. Uh, while they're fighting, uh, Yvrain's just like, you know what, fuck you, fine, and brings like four of them back to life, and then just throws them <laughs> off a bridge. <laughs> so, so, uh, so Aramis like, fuck, and try, like, chases after them off the bridge to try and save them. <laughs> oh, God. It's like, we're not going to fight you, we're just going to bring you back to life and throw you off a bridge. <laughs> it's really funny, there's like four marines that are just like, what the hell happened? What, what is going on? Where am I? <laughs> As they're now falling to their death. It's oh great. God. Yeah, his whole storyline is just carnage. Um, you know the Harlequins, how they like have yes. a secret realm in the webway that's just for them and their laughing god. Yes. Well, that realm is a labyrinth, and right at the center of it is the Black Library. And the Black Library holds like all the secrets of everything ever. <laughs> and in it, there's a book that is like bound in all these crazy magical seals. And apparently the last seal on it, or one of the last seals on it, because they're all like, they're all um, like, 
something has to happen, and then the seal breaks, right? There's sort of like prophecy seals, basically. And one of them, or I, th I believe it's the last one, is Araman making his way into the Black Library, breaks the last seal, and he just takes the book. Or he reads the book, I can't remember which is. Um, and the book apparently has the secrets to fix the rubrique, but it also just holds like all the other information you'd ever want, basically. So oh. I, Araman now has that, or at least has the secrets of the Black Library now. <laughs> oh, so, that's overpowered. Yeah, so that can only be bad. <laughs> no, it can only make for a good story. Well, that's it, yeah. <laughs> the thing is that Araman's entire goal is not like take down the Imperium or kill Magnus or kill Gilliman or any of the other nonsense like that. It's literally, I made a mistake and I want to fix it and then I'm just going to go retire somewhere. <laughs> Gonna find a random cabin in like a nice grassland on a backwater Imperium planet, kill the old man that lives there, and steal his rocking chair. And that'll be me <laughs> for all of eternity. <laughs> but, but but first, I need to fix my fuck up. Ah, it's a, what a noble man. <laughs> yeah, but he's also just like a total nut job as he does it. It's yeah, great. He's, he's, he's a lunatic. He's a yeah, lunatic. there's no fucking around with this guy. No, there's no in-between. It's either crazy mode or not. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's either absolutely insane or nothing. <laughs> yeah. He'll be sitting on that rocking chair, still insane, but, like, he's done his job first. Yeah, at least it doesn't do any harm, then, at well, that point. Exactly, I mean, yeah, he's just going to be chilling. He, I mean, he kills... He's going to be killing whoever is there before him, you know, but... <laughs> if you fuck that's, with that's his crazy. sheep, dear God. I assume he's going <laughs> to raise sheep, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> He's got to do something to keep himself busy, and sheep are really bad for headbutting stuff, so, like, if anyone's going to raise them, a space marine may as well, you know? No, I, I think he goes on the route of olives. <laughs> Stop making really nice uh, olive oil. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, it, it becomes like the, the imperial, uh, uh, what's his name, Jeff Bezos, starts off selling olive oil, by the end of it, he sells fucking everything. <laughs> Oh, damn. Uh, but he's another one that the storyline of this character I cannot wait to tell you about. We just need to get to the right point. All right, so we've been talking about a lot of stuff. Uh, we would like to get your guys' opinion as well, especially personally me with the whole myths that I've contributed with uh, in this episode. Uh, and you guys can do it on our Discord. Please check that out. Uh, but yeah, it's been me, Mess, and Ryan, and we will see you in the next one. Take care and peace. Bye.